I'm extremely privileged to welcome a renowned TV and radio presenter and director of radio media to the Goat Golf Holes podcast. Welcome, Derek. Yeah, cheers, Sean. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's real. It's, it's absolutely privilege having you here. Um, just before we get going on, on um, can you tell me a little bit about radio media? What, um, what, what, is, what does that do for you? Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's a production company. My business partner and I started uh, about five years ago. Uh, my business partner's Raymond. Uh, so Raider, it's in the name Ray, first three letters of his name. Der Raider, so D-E-R, first three letters of mine. Uh, and uh, we've, we combined our two biggest passions, which is traveling and sport. So he's kind of I'm kind of like the market, I'd say. He's more of the brains behind it. He does the technical side. Um, and yeah, we've got a lot of clients on our books, uh, Cricket South Africa, the Titans, uh, Dakar. Um, so we have teams within the teams. So um, I've got a guy with uh, the men's side as we speak. So he's with them 24-7. Ray just got back from uh, the UK where he was with the women's side. Uh, we've got a team with the Titans uh obviously we travel a lot with dakar with toyota gazoo racing um yeah it, it keeps us busy uh more ray than me i've got to be honest so thankfully to him i've been able to get out on the golf course a lot more while he has to uh slug it out uh working <laughs> well, nicely planned i'll give you that yeah cheers thank yeah. you so Derek, so you're obviously a very passionate golfer just tell us about a little bit about your your own game and, and where you typically play yeah, uh, it's a passion that sadly only kind of took place, only began about two years ago. I love, I love the sport. I always have in terms of watching, playing. I, I just never really got into it, um, and I'm so gutted that I only found it in my forties uh, because it was actually during lockdown when I really got into it because there was no sport to watch. Um, when golf courses kind of opened, uh, I took the opportunity and. Uh, and from there to the bag, absolutely bit. So up in Joburg, very privileged to be surrounded by some exquisite courses. And and Joburg, I'm a I'm a PE boy. So well, I'm from the Eastern Cape. So being up in Joburg, you it's I mean, it is the a concrete jungle. And and the golf courses provide an incredible escape. So when you could be walking the fairways of the likes of Royal and Serengeti, and you can look around, and you think you can't possibly be in, in Johannesburg. Um so they really are spectacular. And uh, the, the golf courses have been kind to me. I mean, the two I've mentioned are pretty much members. I, I am an official member at Serengeti. Uh, Royal Johannesburg have offered me membership, membership there, uh, which I haven't, I'm not official, officially a member, but I pretty much am. Uh, I'm actually playing there tomorrow as we speak. And, um, and those are the two courses that I really love and I really try and play as much as possible. Uh, but then elsewhere, I've got Bryanston around the corner. Uh, Kyle Army is really nice. Uh, a bit of a drive. You go up to Sun City to play Gary Plan, Lost City. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the CCJ, there's plenty of courses. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's something that I try and do at least once a week. Awesome. I mean, just going back to what I said to you earlier, I mean, I've been in the golf tourism industry for 20 years and... Um, it's kind of it's I don't know it's it's unfortunate because we tend to focus on the Cape Town and the Winelands and the Garden Roots and the courses there. But if you look at the nucleus of golf courses just around Joburg, they are world class facilities. Just I mean, 
you know, knock on every door. It's, it's, it's crazy, you know. I mean, how we get people up there to, to experience those fantastic facilities is, is another challenge, but um, the quality of golf up there is, is absolutely amazing. So Derek, um, well, basically the um, basis of the, the chat we're having here, um, I've asked you to identify three kind of signature holes that just you could play day in, day out. Um, so you've given me the three, so let's just talk through them. Um, so if you can just tell me the course, the, 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 the hole, and then just typically how you approach the hole. Yeah, so number one on the list when you gave me the question, uh, undoubtedly it is the eighth at Serengeti. Uh, so you've got the signature course at Serengeti, which uh, goes arm in arm with um, the magnificent Whistling Thorns, which is their par three course, which is not a par three course at all because it's extremely tough. But uh, you've got the, the, the eighth hole uh, just before the turn. And it is about 530 meters, I'd say, from the tips, par five. Uh, a magnificent, magnificent hole with an island green. So probably play that hole 20 times. The best I've done is par. And I think I celebrated hugely because it's only the one time that I managed to, to make par. Um, I've only found the green maybe three or four times uh, with my my fourth shot. Uh, I've never managed, have I got it on in three? I think I might have once, but that was on the very edge of the green. There's no as I was going to sink that. But uh, it is, it's an incredible hole. Um, I mean, you could choose the safe route and, and opt to lay up, which I usually do. Uh, the third definitely gives you a chance to sink a pretty commendable putt or even to birdie. Uh, but, you know, with, with history, it shows that the whole, it's a shortish par five, but uh, it's witnessed as many eagles as it has double or even triple bogeys. So it's a beautiful hole. You've got water on the entire right-hand side. Uh, usually when I take people there for the first time, I'm, I'm really envious of them being able to enjoy it for the first time. And, and often what happens is you've got water the entire stretch of right, you've got fairway on the left, and invariably 99% of the time, first-time players find the water. I mean, they, they could even turn 90 degrees left and they'll still manage to find the water because it's daunting. And you can't even see uh, that island green in the distance. It, it really does creep up on you. And when you do... Uh, you realise just what a, a magnificent hole it is. Wow, it's it's actually quite scary. Look, I understand playing golf in in the high felt, you know, with the high altitude, you get a bit more distance. But to hear you say that a five hundred and thirty yard, sorry, five hundred thirty meter par five is a short par five. It's just crazy where this game's going. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> it's not short for me. Put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, no, not for me either. Uh, I think they they kind of describe it like that. Uh, for me, any par five is a long par five. I've got to be honest. Uh, I'm not very, very long off, off the tee. So um, it, it's not their longest par five. But uh, yeah, for me, it's always long. <laughs> Proper three shot. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so Derek, um, I'm excited to hear you talk about because this, this goal, this hole for me um Look, if you're a, a South African sports fanatic and you follow golf and you've been watching the million dollar as a star of this, this, this is an iconic hole in South Africa. So talk us through the ninth at the Gary Play at Sun City. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my next hole. And purely because of the history that it comes with. You've seen the greats play it. We've seen the likes of Sebi. We've seen Gary. Uh, we've seen the more recent icons like Ernie's, etc. play it. And 
and, and, and struggle. Sometimes they don't, but I've only played it once. And it, it was amazing because the course initially just playing it first and foremost, you just think, wow, you know, you're playing the famous Gary player country club. And, and then you play your first eight and you think, wow, this is great. And then suddenly you get to the nine. And I remember when I played it, uh, I was pretty new to the game and it mattered little in terms of what I'd experienced eight holes prior. As soon as I stepped onto the ninth, I was like, wow, this is the ninth. And, and then I realized, you know, the scenes come flooding back about famous shots that have taken place there. And I mean, it, it, it's another iconic hole. Um, it, it's a genuine three shotter for most golfers to, to get onto another Island green. I, I do have a, a bit of a bias when it comes to Island greens. Um, but it's uh, yeah susceptible to a short iron third shot rather than a long fairway wood for the brave. I, uh, I certainly wasn't brave then. Um, and I think I, I found the water my first and only time there, 100%. Uh, and I managed to recover and post a glorious double bogey. Uh, but it is, it is beautiful. And, and, you know, just that walk afterwards, because you've got the halfway house and the guys will be chowing the sandwiches and, and you finish up on that ninth. And, and then you realize, wow, you, you are walking on the fairways and the greens of greats because it's a hole that you've seen since you've been following golf. And, and that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, I can't wait to return. I'll probably be there in about a month's time. Uh, and then I will hopefully be there again uh, over during November when uh, the million dollar or well, the net bank challenge takes place. Oh, awesome. Well described there, Derek. Yeah, it's, it's a fan. It's an incredible hole. I mean, it's just, yeah. Um, this one, I must be honest with you, I kind of knew you were going to choose because I've not had the privilege of playing it. So um, in doing this series, my, my bucket list of golf holes and, and, and courses are just like growing like exponentially. But um, you, as a relatively young, well, new to the game, put it that way, um, you've made a superb uh, choice here because... I've interviewed some significant PGA pros in South Africa, Chris Bentley, Jeff Claus, Derek James, a multiple winner on the tour, and they have all chosen this hole as as one their eleventh hole. So talk us through your eleventh hole. Yeah, the eleventh hole, uh, my choice, which is my third choice. It's the eleventh on Royal Johannesburg East, which I play often. Uh, thanks very much to Chris Bentley. He's a, a fantastic host. Uh, I'll be there again tomorrow, as I just mentioned. And it's a hole that yesterday the All Blacks got to experience. And I actually asked Chris, uh, how, how did they do it? And he said he didn't hear anything afterwards, uh, only that, as they always say, that they absolutely love the course, which, which goes without saying. Sure. But uh, the 11th is undoubtedly their, their signature hole. You're looking at around, I'd say, 430 meters. It's a par four, a long par four. And back to back with the 10th, it actually, for a very, very long time, this is an interesting stat, uh, for many years, it was the longest back to back par fours in the world on a golf course. Uh, it's since been overtaken by a couple of courses, but I mean, it held that record for a very, very long time. So you finish up on the 10th, a very long par four, and then you get to the 11th and uh, you're welcomed by an equally long uh, monster. But the, the great thing is you start off on an elevated tee box, uh, you can have a look around, survey the splendor ahead of you, and you think, ah, oh, what are you going to do? You can see the green kind of in the distance. Uh, it's not an island green, but it is surrounded by water. So you do go around it. Um, 
but it is an absolute sensational stroke one. Uh, fairway, dog legs to the right before you're greeted by, it's a serene but narrow green surrounded by water and sand. So you've got the water in the front, you've got sand behind it, elevated sand as well. Uh, you've got to be pitch perfect to get it on. Um, if you get it on then two, you're an incredible player. Have I got it on in two? I have, but that's because I play the course so much. Um, but I've got it on two on one occasion. Uh, it was a huge celebration again when I did it. Uh, but it is just spectacular. And and again, because you're on an elevated part, uh, you, you you walk down, you had a nice drive, dog legs to the right, and then you come around. And I haven't been to Augusta, but it does have very much an Augusta feel to me. I could imagine that's what Augusta would resemble because again, uh, the East is a Parklands course, a Woodlands course. So green, a lot of trees. You come around that dog leg and then you see the green in the distance. But stopping you from getting there is a lot of water in front and uh, a lot of sand behind. And in front, actually. It's, it's surrounded by sand everywhere and a lot of water. It's, uh, it is just beautiful. Awesome. It's just like just talking, yeah, just listening to you talk me through those three holes. And it's, it reminds me of what something what um, Chris said to me last week when I was chatting to him, uh, Chris Benz from Royal. And he was saying that, you know, you play these signature holes. And he, he said, like, what, what stuck with me, he says, even if you walk off with a double bogey, it's like you're not even bothered because it's such a fantastic hole. It's kind of this, this the enjoyment of playing those signature holes uh, is just like beyond what you score, basically. Oh, 100%. Uh, firstly, just being able to play golf is is a privilege in itself, you know. Uh, doing well is secondary. Uh, it's always fun, but being out there on the course, especially on the weekday, because you like rubbing it in a, amongst your friends that are stuck in the office. <laughs> I, I hosted uh, a friend of mine uh, the other day from East London, uh, a great guy by the name of Suren, and as always, whenever I'm hosting, I always call Chris, please, I've got a friend. Can you can you help us? I said, no problem. And and Seren was just in awe of the place. Each and every time we got to New Hole, uh, and East London's got some fantastic courses too. You'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Wow. And then always I say, wait till we get to the 11th. Wait, wait, wait. And we got there. And yeah, his reaction was exactly, exactly like I expected it. Uh, it absolutely blew his mind. Uh, and, and that is the reaction always and and that is the reaction with playing royal east um and you know the exciting thing is they've got west coming up so west has been playing for a long time but it's currently undergoing renovations because as i understand uh, they're designing to the spec bunkers and greens of that of east so that will make for an interesting challenge I actually played west i think a day before they closed for renovations i took uh, a dean alga there for a round um, and he, he beat the pants off me, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm hoping to be back first time once it's, it's open up once again. But, um, but yeah, just the course in general is beautiful. But uh, the holes, none better than that 11. Without a ton agree more. I can't wait to get out there and have, have a round there. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, you, always just give me a shot and, and we'll definitely make it happen. Awesome. And, you, and you've got Chris on board as well now. So, yeah, <laughs> no, we. We're excited to to launch his signature golf course from next Monday. So and and he's like I said to you earlier, he's done that in support of Cupcakes of Hope, which is an incredible charity. Kind of hit home for me. Um, oh, lovely! Yeah, so we're excited about that. That's so uh, it's awesome. Just really lovely chatting to guys like you. I mean, just the pure passion of the game just uh, speaks for itself. 
Derek, one or one or two last Thank questions. You. I won't want to keep you too long. Um, so we're obviously called goat golfers. So um, do you have a goat player that maybe stands out for you? That since watching as a kid, not obviously playing too much, but when you watched golf, was there someone that said, I mean, if I could mirror my game on them, I'd, I'd want to swing the club like that and, and have the attributes of, of a certain player? So yeah, I've I've been watching golf since since uh, as far as I can remember. My my first passion was cricket and rugby in terms of watching, and then fell in love with watching golf. And uh, the first guy I absolutely loved was Se uh, Sevi Balaceros because just the way he stood out. He wasn't like the normal golfer because back in the day they had y y golfers came with a, a bit of a a stigma in terms of they were staid, they were boring, uh, they had, they, they didn't play with passion. It was almost robotic. robotic. Uh, whereas Sevi broke the mold completely, and his short game was amazing, and and he just was fantastic to watch. And then, obviously, Ernie Els became my guy because being a South African, uh, the first time I, I watched a, a major properly was 1994 US Open when he won. Uh, where did he win? He won at Oakmont, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so 94, he won at Oakmont. And I remember that fantastic bunker shot that he played. And he was still a lighty back then. And, and then Ernie became my numero uno. And I, and I think probably would be the case for a lot of other South Africans my age. Uh, of course, he went on to, to win again. Where else did he win? He won US Open twice and, and the Open twice. The second US Open was at, was it Southern Hills? I think I it, it might have been. I think it might have been Shinnecock. Um, I'm going to speak. No, no, Retif won Shinnecock. Okay. Retif won Shinnecock. Uh, and uh, I can't remember the other. Uh, uh, oh, I think it was Southern Hills. Okay. But I could be wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, and then obviously when he won the two Opens at... Uh, Muirfield and Royal Lytham and Sennett. But right. uh, yeah, that, that first one in, in 1994, when he won at Oakmont, I mean, that absolutely blew my mind. And then, yeah, Ernie, he was my goat golfer. <laughs> no, it's a fantastic choice. And I'm a little older than you, I think. Um, but what Ernie done for the game in South Africa, just, you know, it's just, I mean, I've spoken to, I mean, Jeff Claw summed it up perfectly for me. South African golfers just punch above their weight, you know. From the, the volume yeah. of golfers we have in this country to the achievements we have on a global stage, Ashley Bua is just a prime example of, um, you know, really just. I mean, to win an Open is just, it's just beyond belief. What you know, what what achievement that is. I mean, it's it's, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I've I've got a, a golfing podcast. Funny enough, I'm I'm chatting to Ashley a little later uh, tonight. Funny enough. Um, so she's over in the States. Uh, I'll have her on my show. Uh, I'm really, really excited for that. Uh, and people forget, because never mind the fact that she's the first South African woman uh, to win since Sally Little in the 80s, and, and only the second woman in general, uh, well, full stop, uh, to win a major. But it's also the first South African major winner that we've had in 10 years, since, since anyone back in 2012. So... <laughs> Uh, and the weight has been incredible. And that was, I mean, Ernie was on the back of a, what was it, a five, six-year run where we had a whole host of major winners, uh, kicking off with Trevor Immelman, uh, Charles Schwartzel, Lou Ustays, and Ernie. And then from feast to famine. So 
hopefully Ashley has done um, exactly what, what we wanted. Well, firstly, what you, we wanted her to do. But hopefully it's uh, set us onto a path once again of winning. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, just the potential of South African golfers out there. I mean, it's just that next one is around the corner. I'm pretty confident of that. And yeah, well, I'm good. Uh, I, I hope agree. You, sorry to interrupt you there. I hope you enjoy your, your <laughs> podcast with Ashley and wish her well from us and con huge congratulations. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I definitely will. The um, Sorry, I was thinking uh, it's been on my mind with the Ernie Els. It was congressional. Uh, we won the his second year's Open, so he started off with Oakmont, then Congressional. Was Retief that won at Southern Hills, and then obviously also Shinnecock. Yeah, I think so, Shinnecock was when those <laughs> greens were like they, oh, they were just like slick as ever. It. It's crazy, and it's a beautiful golf time. For oh Southern yeah, Hills. I remember Phil Mickelson complained like crazy uh, with with that particular particular one, and I, I think that they stuffed it up a bit with the greens because. They rolled it, it baked in the sun, it became like glass. Um, but Ritif managed to handle it where, where many others faltered. It was great to watch. It was an absolutely fantastic to watch. I mean, I think that's where they, they, they set themselves apart. I mean, as mere amateurs will kind of find, try, try to find that as an excuse, they find that as a, a reason to win these tournaments. It's just that's that, the pure class, absolute class. Yeah, they certainly are. Jerry, <laughs> one last question. And um, just briefly and it's what what are your thoughts where where do we i'm talking about live and um it's on everyone's everyone's chat and rights and wrongs where where do you see live the pga the dp world tour in two years time yeah it's i mean i think if you'd asked this question a year ago no one ever would have predicted that we'd be in the position we are in now uh, and I think it's only going to, don't want to say worse, but it's going to exacerbate in terms of players making the leap. Uh, Ernie made a good point recently saying, and, and I tend to agree, I think the only way we can curb this massive division between Liv and the rest of the tours is that they've got to work together. Uh, money talks. We've seen that. It looks like Cam Smith is done and dusted. It hasn't been official yet, but uh, when you say no comment to, to a question that everyone's asking, it's pretty much as good as gone. Uh, and, and that's our most recent major winner. So if they can get him, uh, what's stopping them from getting a whole bunch of others? Uh, and, and that's been the case over the course of the last month. Uh, I don't think Rory and Justin Thomas will ever make the jump, given what they've said prior, because... I think uh, it, they'll just be taken to task as being the biggest hypocrites ever, ever in, in the history of golf. Um, but I think the others are, are certainly there for the taking. And, you know, with Cam Smith comes an entire country in Australia in terms of fans. I know Hideki Matsuyama is a big target because that brings a massive Japanese market uh, and, and so on and so on. And, my, my biggest, my biggest question is, and, and a lot of people, and I've been following the story very, very closely. I've been listening to as many podcasts as I can. I actually watched uh, the trial two nights ago, which was on Zoom, funny enough. Um, and I watched that last uh, two nights ago, which, which ended up in favor of the PGA Tour. But being said, it's the first of many, many court cases. And they had to rush it a bit because obviously uh, the playoffs were starting now. So they had to make a decision ASAP regarding those three players, Swafford and the rest. Uh, and, you, you know, one of the big things is that world ranking points 
Uh, and I know that Live have applied to get it. And, and many people are saying, well, how can you apply world ranking points to an event which is only three rounds, no cuts, invitational? It doesn't make sense. But there is precedent because there have been a few events in the past where they've had very similar formats and they've, they've applied world ranking points. But my big thing is the fact that the world golf rankings aren't there to supply points to players. They're there to determine who are the best players in the world. So you can't have seven of the top 20 playing in live golf. And if world ranking points don't count, then you look at, say, in six months' time, oh, who are the top 20 golfers? Oh, it's these 20 guys who are playing on the tours. And you go, well, actually, no, it's not because Cam Smith's there, so-and-so's there, DeChambeau's there, Dustin Johnson's there, and they would beat half that field anyway. So, and I mean, the world ranking points exist to determine who the best golfers in the world are. You can't just suddenly say, well, just because Seven Oaks are playing in a league, then they're not good anymore, you know? So, so I think it's going to come to a head. I, I really can only see this working for the tour, uh, for the PGA tour and, and the rest, if they combine. Where, and, and we've seen it in the past. I mean, when IPL first came on board with crickets, was a massive four-letter word. Uh, no boards wanted anything to do with it. England would bar their players from playing in the IPL, and if they played, then they'd be barred from playing for their country. Now, all the boards have a massive six-week window for to allow their players to play because they knew it, it was a losing battle. They couldn't compete with that amount of money. And, and that's kind of the position they're in. Whatever your thoughts are on Saudi and who's funding it, you know, it's regardless as a fan, it's up to the players, you know, that's their own, um, that's their own motivation. However, if they feel bad or good, whatever factors, a lot of them are going to go because the money is just too much. And uh, I think that Liv is going to continue to get players and the PGA and the rest must realize this and kind of come to an agreement and say, well, here's your window. Have fun. Can we have them for the rest of the time, please? Uh, I, I can't agree with you more. I think the, the two fundamental points you make there, which I wholeheartedly agree with. I think um, the finances behind Live, uh, there's it, just no stopping that. That is the reality. Um, mm. That kind of backing is not going anywhere. You've seen that through a lot of sports in Europe, particularly football. So that's a that's a fact you can't get around with. And, and fundamentally for me, these tours really need to sit down and create a, a platform that they can all engage. I've, I've kind of... I, I could potentially see Live becoming the equivalent of the Champions League, where you only qualify for Live mm. through your your local tour. Like like if you're playing in the EPL, you need to be in the top four to qualify for the Champions League. I mean, it's a win-win for both leagues then, because you're going to get the top players playing in the in the DP World and the PGA in order to qualify for this lucrative Live Champions League. That's my my take on it. If we'll ever see that, I'm not quite sure, but. Um, they, they've just really got to sit down sooner than later. Yeah, and, and in the end, if they don't, um, then the, the ultimate losers will be, be us, the fans, because you've got the best players not competing against each other, so it's split in half. A lot of them going one side, the others going the other side. Uh, the tournaments get watered down, the leagues get watered down. Uh, live only gets stronger because let's face it the more people they get the stronger they get and the weaker the rest become uh, and then you caught watching three round 54 hole 
exhibition golf, and I'm using exhibition in inverted commas, um, as opposed to four rounds cut golf with guys who are suddenly ranked three, four, five hundred in the world, where they could potentially be finishing in the top ten. Not that there's anything bad about that, but obviously the the, the quality of golf uh, becomes less. So yeah, I would I would ideally like them to to just work together, and I, and I think Liv are probably open to that. Well, they definitely are open to that because that just means that they get access to everyone. But uh, PGA are definitely digging their heels. Uh, another thing that I think, and I, I I do think that PGA are kind of experiencing what every other tour has experienced their whole lives, in that suddenly players are going to a different tour. The Sunshine Tour has experienced it. European Tour, DP World Tour has experienced it. Everyone used to go to the PGA because that was the pinnacle. And our PGA are thinking, hey, <laughs> we don't like this position. We numero uno. And, 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 and I think that's probably become the more offensive thing to them than anything else, as much as they say otherwise. I think that the overriding um, motivator for them being so against this is that they hate the fact that they aren't number one anymore. Excellent point. I can't agree with you more. <laughs> Derek, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Insight is amazing. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Anytime. And yeah, when, when you're in Joburg again, give us a shot. Uh, Chris and I will organize a lacquer round at uh, Royal East and uh, we'll take on that 11th. Yeah, only if you promise not to beat me, okay? <laughs> uh, I, I can guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, thanks so much. You have a lovely evening. Eh? Thanks, Sean. You too. Take Cheers. care, bud. Bye.